welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Punch It! Writing in Star Trek. My name is Charlene Schmidt, and with me, as always, is... Tristan Riddell. Tristan, before we actually start our show officially with our topic of the week, I want to take a little uh, step back and talk about last week for just one quick moment. Is that cool? Please do. Okay. The reason why I want to do this is because our colleague... One of the co-hosts of SETI Alpha 3, Darren Moser, left us a great comment on our show about Seven of Nine being on TNG, and he has a great idea that I want to read out. So here goes. One thought I had is to have Seven come off from that portion of the Enterprise D that was sliced off by the Borg in Q-Who. That also gives her a link to the Enterprise D, as she was one of their crewmates. And she can blame Picard for his arrogance in that episode that put them in touch with the Borg in the first place. I like that connection. How about you? That's cool. I th- I think that's a great idea. I think uh, Darren is a is a smart guy, and he uh, mm-hmm. he's a huge Star Trek fan, obviously. And uh, <laughs> it's just very interesting to th- get those kind of insights, totally. and alternative takes. Absolutely. Yeah, that's one of the fun things about this show is we come up with our ideas, but then that spawns off a whole bunch of other ideas from people who listen, like Darren, like all of you who are out here right now. And it creates this fun conversation of just exchanging ideas. And it's great because we're just reveling in this common thing that we all love. It's fun. (laughs) That's the beauty of the fandom. Absolutely. Yes, the good part of the fandom. (laughs) Indeed. So with all of that said, let's talk about this week because you came up with a killer idea and I'm very excited to explore this. Why don't you tell everybody what we're doing? So what we wanted to do this week was one thing that we absolutely love and you hear us talk about all the time is what if scenarios. And this one is kind of a what if scenario, but multiplied a a great deal because what we want to do is we want to take one episode and we're going to take a Star Trek Discovery episode, particularly the Sound of Thunder, which is the sixth episode of the second season aired on February 21st of this year. And what we want to do is we want to take the basis of that episode and say, like, okay, well, this is how we analyze the episode and realize, okay, well, this is how Pike, as the captain of Discovery, responded to the situations of that episode. How would Kirk do it? How would Picard do it? How would Cisco do it? How would Janeway do it? How would Archer do it? And everything like that. It's that because this particular episode, and I'm going to read you a quick summary of it. Do it. This particular episode had a lot of prime directive stuff like this was <laughs> yes this, this was an intense episode where i think this is definitely one of the episodes where you and i are saying like oh this is 90 minutes worth of material that they're trying to cram into 50 definitely yeah that said it's a great episode but yeah we're doing a lot here and there was a, a couple of times when a prime directive question would pop up and Pike's like, okay, well, let's just do this. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay, we're going to just decide the fate of an entire species in uh, in about 10 seconds. Okay, we're doing this. Snap decisions, man. Don't have time to think. Just do it. Let me go ahead and read this. So the sound of thunder. 
Another of the mysterious signals leads Discovery to Saru's homeworld of Kaminar, where the Kelpian's predators, the Ba'ul, demand Pike surrender Saru as Starfleet has agreed to stay out of the conflict between the two species. Pike refuses, but Saru turns himself over to prevent a fight. Tilly works with technologically augmented Lieutenant Commander Arium to sift through the Sphere's information on Kaminar. They learn that the post-Varharai Kelpians were once Kaminar's dominant species and nearly eradicated the Ba'ul, with the latter only surviving by using their superior technology to cull Kelpians before they lose their threat ganglia. Pike uses the Ba'ul's technology to trigger Varharai, if I'm saying that correctly, I know I'm probably not, in all Kelpians, <laughs> hoping the two species can instead work towards a peaceful solution once the Kelpians are freed and learn the truth about their past from Saru's priestess sister, Sarana. The Ba'ul retaliate to Starfleet's actions by attempting to commit genocide, but are stopped by the Red Angel who Saru sees is a humanoid wearing a highly advanced suit. There's a lot to unpack in that summary there. <laughs> there is, and I kind of feel like that synopsis doesn't really hit some of the bigger points we're going to focus on today, like the prime directive questions. The whole issue of, oh, I don't know, the Kelpians were a, an oppressed species that was basically in, in servitude for slaughter. Right. Yeah, they were basically cattle where yeah. they, would be, they would be called to be killed while they weren't used for su sustenance is really just to curb their special development. And... It's so crazy because, like, not only did they enslave them, they curbed their evolution where, yeah, you know, like Saru, you know, his, gang his threat ganglia kept him constantly in a state of fear. And so it's a huge testament to his personality and his drive and his ambition where he was able to work beyond that, go in, leave his home, go into space and become a commander in Starfleet of a vessel, all while having this threat ganglia in his head, it wasn't until he shed it that he realized, oh, I'm now practically fearless. I can I can take on much more. I'm, I'm much more of my own person. I have more agency. And it turns out that he was always meant to one day shed that from himself, as with all of his species, so that they could be the dominant species on their planet. But the Ba'ul didn't let that happen and so they were yeah. they were retarding their evolution right for their own benefit to basically feed themselves also the synopsis does not mention that at this point saru had just lost his ganglia and comes off i mean he's a little he's trying to figure out what his life is without that constant fear i mean you have dealt with anxiety in your life i have mm -hmm. dealt with anxiety issues Imagine being on the verge of a panic attack the whole time. I kind of feel like that's what Saru and Kelpians in general lived like. So to suddenly have that gone, he is kind of a little volatile. He's standing up for himself a lot more. He's downright interrupting Pike to the point where Pike really was this close to just dismissing him. And then Burnham steps in and says, no, we need somebody who can be a familiar face to the Kelpians because they've not seen a whole lot of... Yeah. in non-Kelpian life out there. So, uh, yeah, we've got a lot to explore here. <laughs> now, I want to know, before we delve into the other captains, do you think Pike made the right decisions? No. Okay. Tell me which ones you didn't agree with. Well, okay, here's the thing, is that I think ultimately it was the decision that turned out to be the best, 
And it was a decision that I'm sure the Kelpians wanted. But there was no way for him to know that. And there was no way, there was no right, he had no right to make that decision for the Kelpians. He Mm. didn't ask, he didn't try to survey, for lack of a better word. (laughs) There's no consensus here, right? There's there's no consensus and everything like that. And I understand that there's special circumstances around it because... It's not like he can survey. It's not like he can go door to door and conduct a census and say like, hey, what do you guys think? Would you like to be free of fear? Please join the church of, you know, everything like that. Um, <laughs> here's some snake oil. This will help. Yeah, exactly. Here's a here's a pamphlet. You know, like he can't do that. He didn't have the time. I like, I understand that they structured it in a way where the writers were trying to tell us, oh, Pike is doing his best under the circumstances. Like he had 15 seconds to make a decision and he made that decision. But that still is not his right. He, like, according to the prime directive, he should not have interfered. Now, they tried to give an out with that as well. Yes, Where they, they did. said, like, oh, well, because uh, the ba- Ba'ul are so technologically advanced, then, and they're the ones that caused this with uh, the Kelpians, whatever we do with the Kelpians doesn't matter because even though they're not warp capable... The Ba'ul are warp capable. Am I getting that wrong? I think I'm oversimplifying it. Mm, I mean, no, I think it checks out so far. I mean, yeah, the Ba'ul, they're not as advanced of a race as humans or Vulcans or what have you, but they are warp capable. And if I recall correctly, there has been one other Federation encounter with the Ba'ul. That's why they know about them. But it it was pretty short-lived and not a whole lot came out of it. And, And also at the same time, like it's... It's weird because they, like, even though it's not like a warp capable thing, you're still interfering with another culture, another culture right. that has nothing to do with you. Right. And, yes, and it's not a Federation world. Yeah. It, it's clear that the Ba'ul are wrong and that they're doing the wrong thing, but it's also none of Starfleet's business. And <laughs> Right. But at the same time, you got to ask yourself like, okay... Well, there's several times when the like people say, well, like the U.S. shouldn't be involved in other people's affairs, foreign affairs and everything like that. But then when we see genocide happen, you know, like yeah. we need to insert ourselves. And so that's what Pike was seeing. He was seeing genocide happen where people are being literally walking to the slaughter. And so now I'm trying to and now I'm going back and forth is that like that was his way to get out of that, get out of genocide, get them out of genocide was to force evolution on them. So maybe I am talking myself out of it where <laughs> I, here's the thing. I do believe it's the right decision, but it wasn't his decision to make. That's basically what I'm trying to say. So he kind of made the right decision sort of for the wrong reasons. Although, can we put into question just how clear is the prime directive at this particular point? Because when we talk about Captain Archer, he has no prime directive and Picard's interpretation of the prime directive is different than how Kirk is going to interpret it. That's true, and that is something to talk about, but this is the thing, is that like we're over 100 years after Archer. Well, right, yeah, of course. But what I'm saying is, like, maybe the Prime Directive is not as refined as, say, in the 24th century. That's, that's very possible. That's, that is something that we have to think about, because there's oftentimes Kirk would totally just laugh in the face of the Prime Directive, but <laughs> then other times when it was super sacred. But you never saw Picard laugh in the face of the Prime Directive. Yeah. So what I'm really wondering here, though, is like, is Pike 
being a little fast and loose with the Prime Directive because that is just the way captains have to think in this particular era. Mm-hmm. And do we have to take that into account? I think we do. I, and, and also they try to give them like, because it involved the Red Angel, like this kind uh-huh. of circumstances involved the Red Angel. That was another out that the writers gave us. Was that Starfleet headquarters that told everything. them? Yeah, Starfleet headquarters said you have the you have full permission to do whatever you think is necessary in order to discover and seek out right. the Red Angel and everything like that. So it's kind of his get out of jail free card. Yeah, you know the other catch to this whole story is that if Saru had not lost his threat ganglia, this story would be incredibly different because Saru would not know better. Nobody would know better right. because Kelpians believed that if they did not go to their calling uh, when it was time for slaughter, that they would just die in agony. Yeah, and that's terrifying. Even more terrifying than just living in fear your whole life, yeah. So. (laughs) So. uh, Where would you like to start? Should we go in chronological order? What do you want to do? Well, actually, you never answered uh, your own question. Oh, do you want me to? Yeah, like how do you feel about Pike? What do you think he did? Did he make the right call? Did he do it for the wrong reasons? Did he do it for the right reasons in the wrong way? What do you think? Well, I think maybe I did answer it sort of non-directly. And I do think that Pike made the best decision he could at the time without thoroughly thinking it through. He had more context than, say, oh, everybody else on the Kelpian homeworld. And yes, I I do agree with you that forcing the entire species to go through the process of losing their ganglia without their consent, yeah, in Picard's era, just to skip ahead a little bit, that would not have happened. I don't think Picard would not let that happen, but this is Pike we're talking about, and really, 9.975 times out of 10, I'm going to agree with his decisions, so... (laughs) I'm not faulting him too much because, like we said a little earlier, boy, they're really packing in a lot and they're just going through motions to get us from point A to point B so fast that they're not thinking about it and we don't have time to think about it either. Right, right. And that was one, one big issue with this episode. Like if they actually took the time, spread it out, we would be able to have these conversations. And I'm not saying we have to have an undiscovered country level conversation where, you know, like two people are talking in a room for 10 minutes. I'm saying like we could at least have a moment where we're like, whoa, is this right? Are we on the ethical side of history here? Are we going to be seen as an invader? Are we going to be seen as a liberator? We needed to have that conversation and it was, it was literally like, okay, can we do this? Should we do this? Okay, let's do this. (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally agree. That would have been a great conversation to have. Like, we kind of need a ready room conference scene here (laughs) where we are at least contemplating the consequences of any action that we take. And Pike just, he has to just step in and make the executive decision, which I guess that makes him a good captain because someone has to come to a decision and he has to live with it no matter what happens. And he's willing to do that. And it just so happened he chose for the better here. One thing that it made me think of was, this isn't exactly a one-to-one, but like if you look at the argument that could be made, it wasn't made in the episode, but it could be made this way where they say, okay, the Ba'ul curbed the Kelpians' evolution and Starfleet, by way of Pike, is returning them to their natural state of evolution. Right. This immediately made me think of Insurrection, where... <laughs> 
Uh-huh. Um, the Badmiral, Admiral Dougherty, came in and said to Picard, like, we're only talking about 600 people and we're just returning them to their normal state of evolution. And Picard says, who the hell are we to determine the course of evolution for these people? Right. And so then how many people is a justifiable number? 600? I forget the exact numbers he throws out. Yeah. Where do you draw that line? And while we are like, where some of you listening are probably scoffing at us by saying like, oh, well, in insurrection, you had these people were had eternal youth and they were taking that away. And with discovery with the Kelpians, they had a, a much more agency and we're just returning that back to them. So it's positives from a Starfleet point of view. And yes. so that's why Picard says what he says. Who the hell are we to decide the course of evolution? Because that is why the Prime Directive exists. Right. Right. Yeah, it is different circumstances for sure because, yeah, it's not like Anij and the folks on that planet in Insurrection are being uh, held captive. They're not basically like farm animals like the Kelpians there. You're giving the Kelpians a, a fighting chance for equality to, to survive and thrive, yada, 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 on their own world, whereas that was not the case in Insurrection. Right. So, okay, we mentioned Archer just a moment ago. No prime directive at this point he's got to think on his feet too would he have made the same decisions i was so scared that you were going to start with archer because i think he's the hardest one to analyze because of exactly what you said like there is no prime directive there is no federation there's just a starfleet and he's the first one who's gone out this far and so I, i think in this scenario we have to make it like pikes where i think archer would do it because Pike's Red Angel situation is like Archer's season three of Enterprise with the uh, yeah, with the Zindi. Yeah, I agree. Where like Archer did a lot of bad things. Like yeah. there's one in particular that I've really never forgiven him for was when he stole the warp coil from oh, those people. Oh, yeah. I thought it was a huge mistake not to revisit that storyline in Enterprise, where Archer finds that ship and gives them a warp coil back once he's done. Because they're stranded at sublight speeds, he should be able to find them. I think as an audience, we were supposed to believe that the ends justified the means, but that did stick out to me too, as like, oh, wow, a Starfleet captain's doing this. But yeah, no, it's not what Picard or Kirk would do. And nevertheless, I think we do have our judgment clouded, thinking, Archer, that's bad. Yeah, and he did <laughs> he did save the human race. I mean, he did. He, I mean, he saved yeah. the human race. Yeah, and ultimately that's the like big picture, that's what he's thinking. He's doing what he has to do no matter how grisly it is and whatever the outcome. If there's any consequences, he's going to have to own it. I do think that ultimately he would kind of follow the same motions as Pike and one thing that we're kind of forgetting is like, okay, do we have Saru on each of these crews then? I think we have to. We have to <laughs> yeah. have Saru. Okay. And the Red Angel thing, it, it can't really apply. This has to be kind of a standalone story where they... I I, you I, I think I disagree on that one. I think, the, I think the Red Angel thing has to apply, but it's not the... Um, it's not like, oh, it's the Red Angel. It's like there has to be a circumstance where things are elevated. Things are crazy. It's not just this 
situation with the Baul and the Kelpians and everything like that, there needs to be an underlying factor that is pushing people forward to make decisions quickly. Mm. And I, I like like with Archer, you have the Zindi. Or and like maybe yeah. and we can we can analyze others going forward, but uh, it's like that's why Pike had the like that's why he had that get out of jail free card. He's like I'm here at the behest of of Starfleet, and they said I can do what I need to do, and you know he has his own morals and ethics and everything like that. Now with Archer, if we put him in the same type of situation like this indie thing, but with Saru on the ship, and it's the Kelpians and the Balul and everything like that, we have seen him. In an episode where he said he's like, you know, one day we'll come up with some sort of directive and it'll be wink, wink, wink at the camera and we'll figure <laughs> it out. And then, but right now we're not gods and we can't figure that out. So we've seen Archer not interfere with somebody's evolution because, like before, like when it was, um, you had one species, I can't remember the name of the episode, but you had one species that was dying out because of a disease. And then you had a subspecies that was excelling because right. that other people were dying out. And they found out that it wasn't a disease, it was evolution, which again, so. Star Trek doesn't know how evolution works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Brad and Braga. <laughs> and so you have the doc on Enterprise telling, telling Archer, like, if we cure this quote unquote disease, then this subspecies will never excel. And we are determining the course of evolution for this these people and this people. And so Archer doesn't interfere like they have the cure for it and he doesn't give it because he's not a god and right. he realizes that he's not a god but then we have him do that whole thing with the warp coil right yeah so he has some missteps along the way he does things resembling a prime directive some of the time right but that's why i'm saying like when it gets crazy when stuff hits the fan we're all capable of crazy okay and, i actually yeah. um going back to your point on the Red Angel needing to be a part of the story. I kind of wonder format-wise if that is going to actually apply to every incarnation of the show. Now with Enterprise, I agree. Maybe I'm thinking too technically about this, but Enterprise did many arcs. Now the Red Angel was a season-long arc, and therefore it seems a little more fitting that that would tie in a little more. But I'm thinking like a standalone Next Generation episode doesn't need a Red Angel to work. I think you're overanalyzing it. I, I, think <laughs> I knew it's, you were going to say that. It's not the it's not the concept. Like we don't have to apply the the entire story of discovery onto this captain. All we have to do is the captain has a goal where like things are hitting the fan. Things are crazy. Like the fate of humanity is at stake, and the fate of the galaxy is at stake in the back of his brain. And so he ha he or she has that mentality of, I have a get-out-of-jail-free card through Starfleet to do what I need to do, but how would I handle this specific situation that is a little separate from that? That's mm. all that I'm trying to say. Is like It's not like, oh, we have a time-traveling person in a suit who is like has seven red lights in the sky. We don't have to say that for Picard or Kirk or anything like that. We just have sure. to say things are crazy, things bigger are at stake. How would they make this particular situation? Okay, because really, I mean, Star Trek The Next Generation episode is, I think, going to go a little slower than, say, oh my gosh, yeah. something like crazy on Enterprise. Yeah, works entirely. But how, the question that we're asking is not like, how would this storyline be in the show? It's how would this captain yeah, react in right. that storyline? That's line. where I've lost a little bit of sight, and I am getting a little too technical. But I want to throw that out there because if I'm thinking it, somebody else is thinking it too. <laughs> it's so true. we no, should I address think it's it. 
it's fun to to talk and address, but it ultimately comes down to how would the captain react in this situation? So I think Archer would do it because I think he gets crazy when things get crazy. What do you think? I think the real clinching factor for Archer is once they find out that the Kelpians were once a... A thriving race and they were actually dominant over the Ba'ul but then the Ba'ul struck back and then have repressed Kelpians into this servitude life that's where I feel like Archer is going to step in and say okay let's even out the score yeah and right or wrong that's what he's going to go with I think he would see that as his license he's like okay I got my out they, they were meant to be this way and so we're, I'm just going to put them back on track right and then so I don't know if Archer is really going to, I don't want to say he's not going to care, but he's going to encourage them to want to coexist together, find a way to make new peace. But at the same time, he's got things to do. He's going to go off, much as Kirk is going to, I think, no matter the outcome. He's like, okay, well, you know what? We're done here. Bye. We'll see you later. I think that actually Archer would tell the Ba'ul to go screw themselves. I, I don't think he would try so? to make peace. Honestly, honestly, I think he was just like, you're a jerk. You're a jackass. Get out of here. Like, I okay, honestly think that's wait, what Archer okay. would do. Actually, you know what? You bring up a good point. I'm kind of thinking maybe genocide is going to be a key word for Archer. He is really not going to be able to shake that. And so you're right. He probably is going to tell the Ba'ul where to stick it and say, you're committing genocide against a race. Suck on this. Now, if we jump forward to Kirk in TOS days, I think it would be much more what you just described. I think he would totally go against the prime directive just to say, screw you to the Ba'ul. And he would, but then he would say like, listen, now that I've evened the playing field, uh, you guys should get along. Peace. And then he goes <laughs> on to the next adventure. Yeah, oh yeah. Kirk is definitely going to peace out. It's going to be much like Space Seed where... I think Spock says, it'll be interesting to come back at some point in the future and see how this all played out. <laughs> well, we know how that did. <laughs> so, yeah, 100%. But you know what? Kirk isn't just going to tell the Ba'ul where to stick it. He's also going to tell the Kelpians, look, you poor primitive people. Yeah. Like he, Kirk loves throwing a grenade into a room and then running away. He totally does. So he will. That is what he does. And, like, and he would totally go against the Prime Directive just as a way to screw his enemy. Well, I'm thinking the genocide angle is also going to get him. He's going to have Spock saying, he's going to be the champion of the Prime Directive saying, these are not Federation worlds. It's really not our place to interfere. And then mm -hmm. Bones is going to be on his other shoulder saying, but this whole race is being s slaughtered. Are you mm -hmm. really going to just hit warp speed and pretend like it never happened? I don't think Kirk is going to be able to shake that either. I agree with you. But I really do think that his prime motivation, I think it's going to go down exactly how you think. Spock's going to say, prime directive, prime directive, we can't do anything. And uh, McCoy's going to be like, good God, man. You know, like, <laughs> there are Kelpians down there dying. And you're going right. to do nothing? And then Kirk's going to be like, yeah, well, that captain of the Ba'ul ship, he looked at me funny. So this will really <laughs> piss him off. Now, question, how is Saru going to fit in? with this dynamic i mean is saru going to make an appeal to kirk that also kind of plays on the on this decision or what if saru is actually on the planet instead of a crew member he has shed his ganglia and he mm -hmm. puts out a distress signal through the bowel communication grid and since the Ba'ul and Starfleet have communicated before. They think, okay, what's going on? That's why they're out to investigate it. And it turns out it's this Kelpian guy. 
and he's okay. pleading for help. And so then you have that whole issue where Saru is a political asylum seeker on Discovery. It could be the same issue here. And then jumping ahead to Picard, I think that can be a big angle for next gen because that's totally what that's about. Let's go ahead and jump to, to Picard. Um, okay. So let, let's say Picard is in this situation. Same situation yep. as DSC. I think we've already established what it would look like if the show, if the episode was on TNG. Like it would be much slower. The entire episode would be about this one freaking decision. The entire episode would just be about them debating, going back and forth, and Saru saying, like, you need to help us. You need to do this. You need to do that. Baul saying, no, screw you. But if Picard, Captain Picard, was the captain of Discovery during this situation, I still don't think he would decide to do it. I don't think he could. No, I really don't think he could. Now, I don't know if you like that whole scenario I just threw out with Saru possibly being on the planet. It's kind of like pen pals where Nikki yeah. Cox playing that alien, Data, is anybody out there? What if that is Saru and in pen pals, Data makes contact with the girl. And so by that virtue alone, the prime directive has already been broken. Well, what if they find out, oh, this isn't the Ba'ul. We're already involved. Now what? Does that throw a wrench into Picard's decisions if we were to go that route? Well, I mean, again, it's like, okay, are we are we are we altering are we altering the story to to better fit the show? Well, or are we going to have the the captains talk about what's going to happen or like yeah, show the captains reacting? I don't know. I, just, I threw that out there and I thought, hey, you know, that's actually a pretty cool alternative. That's how I feel it would go on next gen. Is the thing. I think what we I think we can use previous episodes as a template for Picard's decision making because we have seen Picard let people die a lot. Mm -hmm. And he was willing to let the little girl in Pen Pals die. He was willing to let Worf's brother's people die in true, that episode true. on home, Homebound or something like that. I, I can't remember ex oh. or something like that. But it was I want to um, say Homeward Bound, but that's a dog and like, cat movie. Yeah, that's not right. <laughs> Seth, he can't breathe. Uh, and so it was like we saw him, like he was on the bridge and the they're sitting there and I can't remember exactly what he said, but like the, the we see the atmosphere turn and destroy the planet and Picard's just like, and there we are. I mean, like this is... Right. A, it, this <laughs> Nature took its course. Yeah, I feel like Picard would make that same decision in this case, which turns the tables onto, say, the Saru character to take action. Yeah. It can't be Picard's decision. Then it's got to be turned over to other people to put in the plot twist if they're going to be there. If Yeah, if we want the same outcome, then Picard needs to be robbed of the decision-making. Exactly. That way, he doesn't have to take responsibility for it. Exactly. Yes, I think you're absolutely 100% right. That is what happened. Saru would do something that would cause the Vaharai to go crazy. Like he would he would sneak away into another uh -huh. section of the ship where no one could see him and he, he'd hit a button that he wasn't supposed to hit. Right. Or he'd find a way to persuade his sister to do it and then it's ultimately her responsibility to guide her fellow Kelpians uh, through You're the right. change and afterward or something right. like that. And so then, Absolutely okay, it's out of right. our hands. Now you've got to find a way to make peace with one another. Good luck. You are so accurate, it hurts. <laughs> well, here's an aspirin. So, Cisco. Cisco. This one's difficult. This is difficult because 
I feel like he's going to consider all sides of the issue and be more empathetic to the Kelpian side than Picard. He's not going to immediately say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Yeah, like he like with Picard, he would just go like, boom, like can't do anything. Sorry, sucks to be you. I think Cisco would go back and forth on it. I I really do. Mm -hmm. I think I think Cisco would really be beleaguered by this. Like he was like, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do this? Yeah, I think Cisco personally would do it, but not in the amount of time given to us. So. I'm, I'm going back and forth between what you what you're talking about, and what I'm talking about, because like I'm focusing more on what the captain would do in the Discovery episode, and you're like you're kind of saying like, well, what would Cisco do on Deep Space Nine if this happened to Deep Space Nine? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and so, from a Deep Space Nine perspective, I feel like he would he would he would fight and plead to make it happen while still getting permission from Starfleet. Because Deep Space Nine would take its time, not as much time as TNG, but it would take its time on making the decision. He would want to help, but he would try to get permission to break the Prime Directive. Right, maybe making a plea to an admiral or something. Yeah, something like that. And then the admiral says no, and then I think he finds a way to destroy the Ba'ul or disable the Ba'ul and then figure out a way to get... Like he goes to Saru and he says, he's like, listen, if you can get someone to establish themselves as a head of state among the Kelpian, even as slaves, and they ask asylum, I can do something. Oh, that's an interesting angle to take. I think he would play the political game. He would use brute force against the Ba'ul and then play a political game with the Kelpians to use uh-huh. to do some sort of technicality, some sort of charter where you're just like, oh, paragraph three of section seven says this and no one's done it in 200 years, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then what if in that span of time, somebody's threat ganglia does start to come out and they go through the same change as Saru. Saru helps this person through mm-hmm. it and they kind of see the light and then off they go back to the Kelpian home. Oh my God, you won't believe this. And then it's kind of up to them to decide their fate. Yeah. Now, what do you think Cisco would do in the Discovery episode? I think Cisco is perfectly capable of making snap decisions and... I have a feeling he would have no problem doing the same things as Pike. I think you're right. I, I think people usually say that, I think people think Cisco uses brute force and snap decisions and break the prime, breaks the prime directive more than he does. I think he's gotten that reputation. Yeah, but I agree. It's a little overblown with him. I Yes, I, I think that's perfectly put. It's a little overblown with him, but I think the situation on the bridge would be Pretty much the same as Pike, like you, except he would take five seconds more to think about it. Five I'm, seconds I'm, more. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to be sarcastic. He would literally take five seconds more. There would be a hush on the bridge, and you'd just see him Ooh, sitting in his chair. Some pregnant like, pause. Yeah. Yes. And you know what? I do think Cisco would talk it out just a little bit with his officers, get yeah. their input, and then ultimately he knows that his decision is his responsibility. But yeah, he, he will take a little more time. And that's very good. Now, Janeway. Janeway. <laughs> she's going to get the input from all of her officers. There is going to be a meeting in the, in the ready room. But ultimately, she's going to ha- kind of have the same plan that she's going to follow from the moment she sees the situation and then go through with it. What? 
Well, you know how Janeway will have her get her input from her staff and say, okay, that's all well and good. Thanks for your input. But this plan that I had all along is what I'm going to do because ultimately it's my decision because that's how Janeway rolls. Let's do, let's do this first. So like what would a Voyager episode look like with this? Yeah, because, okay, you know how you were saying earlier, like I'm doing it from the context of Deep Space Nine and what happened. Well, with Mm -hmm. Voyager, they're in the Delta Quadrant. Does that affect anything? Oh yes, absolutely. I think so, uh, that's why I'm going this route here. That's why I can't shake it out of my head. So well, well, as I'm saying, like it, like it, like if we were doing a Voyager episode, which is different than Janeway on Discovery, if we were doing a Voyager yeah, episode yeah, yeah. of this, this, I don't think this would be the whole episode. This would be, this would be like the third act, like the first, the the first couple of acts would actually well, t- television's five acts, but that's neither here nor there. So <laughs> like the first couple of acts would be the discovery of Saru. And the discovery of his plight. She would get to know the Kelpians. She would fall in love with the Kelpians. Mm-hmm. Everybody would like they'd have them over for dinner. They're artists and sculptors and, <laughs> and, and 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 philosophers. Right, and they're spiritual beings, and they're wonderful. Yeah. And then she'll get the side of the Baul. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The Baul won't be like this some mysterious figure that's behind a view screen or like that's all gooey. Like they are tangible. They're straight up. They can meet in a meeting room. If this is Voyager, the Baul yes. are like are someone that they can talk to. So she's going to get both sides. Do you think the decision, the outcome, would be the same? Like I, I really have. I, I'm really struggling with what Janeway would do here, and I feel like I know her best, and I don't understand why this is so hard. Janeway would trick the Ba'ul into agreeing to let them evolve, I think. You think so? I think Janeway would try to mediate the best that she can, but then she would do some sort of bargaining with the Ba'ul, where she'd say, like, we'll help you do this if you let the Kelpians go and do that. You know what? I do think she would find a way to put both parties on equal footing and then let them fight it out. Yeah. Because I think she would go through getting both sides, trying to negotiate, trying to come to some resolution. It doesn't work. So then she does something. Like, I think she kind of does a little bit of a Cisco trigger, not trickery, but kind of, you know, getting between the lines here on technicalities, trying to do the right thing without severe consequences in a way because Voyager has this reputation throughout known their known space that they kind of screw things up along the way. Right. Yeah. She doesn't want to keep up this reputation. So does if this is a if this is a Voyager episode, does Janeway quote unquote make the wrong decision and make things worse? Like can she make things worse? That's possible. But what is worse? Letting the Kelpians continue to die, disabling the Ba'ul, and then putting them at a disadvantage. What is worse? Ooh, I don't know. Like, uh, I, don't, I don't really like <laughs> See, going down this path. I don't, it could I don't... be... I think it, you can only make it better, dare I say, by empowering the Kelpians to kind of save themselves. And oh, then okay. What's up? But when then what happens between them and the Ba'ul once they're on, once they are on more equal footing? That's kind of up in the air. That that's up to them. So you th- okay? So you think if this was a Voyager episode, she would empower the Kelpians to take their own destiny into their hands? I think so, and then that would have to be enough because Prime Directive, because they are one ship, blah blah blah. And oh yeah, they do have to kind of get going. I wonder if the- Janeway's trickier than I thought. Same. 
I, <laughs> why? <laughs> I wonder if she would is, make... You know what? This is why. Because over the f- seven seasons, Janeway's attitude toward the Prime Directive bends a lot because of their circumstances. She yeah. starts off really, rah-rah Starfleet, I'm not going to break any rules. I, you know, Starfleet is the be- is the way. That's what's going to get us through to where, well... <sighs> This is what we're supposed to do, but I think it would be better if we play it like this. By season five, that's what she's doing. With Voyager, I feel like maybe this would be one of those times where the same thing would happen with TNG, where you have, like with Picard, who says, like, I can't do anything, I'm really sorry, but then Saru comes in and does it by using the Enterprise's technology. Uh-huh. I think it would be similar in Voyager where Janeway would try her hardest. She would go, she's like, I want to break the Prime Directive. I want to do this. I want to do that. And, but ultimately, I just can't. Where Picard's just like, nope, can't do it. Janeway would really, really try, but then ultimately come to no. But then instead of Saru using Voyager's technology, one of the Voyager crew would betray Janeway. <laughs> kind of like it. when Tuvok did it. Or when Paris did it. Or when Seven did it. So who would the lucky candidate be? My first instinct is Tom, but that's already been done before. I think it's the doc. The doctor? Because first do no harm? First do no harm. I was actually thinking Neelix myself because his world got obliterated by war. To see a mass genocide on another world, I think would make him react. I think that that kind of thing, though, would actually get Neelix kicked off. But he's not a Starfleet officer, so how accountable Ooh. can he be? Ooh, well, that's the thing, though. Is so that, then, like, I mean, Janeway will dress him down, certainly. But Janeway knows that, like, if you're like if you're on this ship, you live by Starfleet rules. The only reason why I went with Doctor yeah. is because of the whole do no harm thing. Like, I saw these people being killed, and I had to do something because they can't kick off the Doctor. Like, they can't kick him out. It's true. I mean, yeah. What are they going to do? Shut him down and not have a Doctor, please. And I think that's what they would do for a little bit. Like they would say, like, we're taking away your mobile emitter and you're going to be shut down. Well, like if you're not working, if it's not a duty shift, then you're going to be shut down for a while. Okay. And that's, I mean, that's a slap on the wrist. Yeah. It's a slap on the wrist, but it's still, you know, that, that's what I, that's what I think I mean, would happen if it was a Voyager so episode. It's so weak, but it does work. <laughs> I kind of like the Neelix I, I angle just because there are serious consequences, but I do think you're right. That might be a deal breaker for Janeway. But that's the thing, though, is that like I really like your idea of Neelix. <laughs> well, I like yours too. So this this is the fun of hashing it out, though. Yeah. This is great. So like I really I think I think the Neelix one would be much more emotional. Oh yeah. But that that ending of that feels like a line too far. Like because she can't demote him. No. You know, like she can't. And like when like when he was trying to sell the narcotics like with Wix, um, it was. Yeah. Like, it yeah. was really him trying to save his own skin, and it was really just a snafu, and so she made him, like, sc- scrub the plasma takes for two weeks or something like that. But this one, violating the Prime Directive, going against her orders, putting the ship in danger, all that kind of stuff, I feel like that would be a deal breaker for Neelix. Like, that would get his ass kicked off. Yeah. Yeah, even though he does make the food, that's too bad. This is, this is a line too far. Yeah. Because Janeway does have that tendency to draw a very firm line in a situation that to her is extreme. She's just, okay, you have taken it too far. Boom. Now, how would Janeway react 
in Discovery. Say Janeway is the captain of Discovery. This situation Ooh. happens. What would she do? Yikes. Okay, this is harder. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, yeah, wow. I kind of wonder, if, like, if, is Janeway's in this time period on this ship going to be a kind of a mixture of, say, Kirk and Cisco, Where she... She is going to make that snap decision, but she is going to kind of maybe try and uh, fudge it a little bit. I don't think she'd do it. No? Okay, why? I think a Janeway, not our Janeway, a Janeway who is in the Alpha Quadrant, who has the support of Starfleet, who was raised the same way, is not stranded in Delta Quadrant, isn't responsible for 175 lies, getting them across 70,000 light years, I think would be by the book. In this time period, though, and with the Red Angel kind of hanging over her head as the ultimate eye on the prize, I do kind of wonder if she might not think as clearly as she would like. Hmm. And Janeway also has this tendency, I think, as a person, when she's wound up, she's really wound up. Like, think about Scorpion, where she doesn't sleep for three freaking days, and she's taking on the Borg. That's very, yeah, that's very true. And you think of your year of hell and everything like that. You know, where... Right. So when there is a crisis going on, I actually feel like Janeway can be at her worst. And that's not good for a captain. Um, no, it's not. So that brings up further issues, but let's stick to this. So you think she would do it? I think she would. And it might be the right outcome for the wrong reasons, much like Pike. It's interesting that I think this is the only one that we disagree on. And this and is the Janeway. one, this is the captain that we have talked about the most in our entire podcasting lives. Which just goes to show that even after talking about Voyager specifically for four years, there are still things for us to discuss and learn more about each other from. Wow. One thing I would love to know from our listeners is what do you think about each one of these captains yes. in Discovery? Like, Tell us. I, I think this, like, just to keep it simple... Not so much like what a TNG episode would look like or what a Voyager episode would look like, unless you want to talk about that. But specifically, what do you think each captain would do in the episode The Sound of Thunder from Season 2 Star Trek Discovery? Give us an email. Go to thenerdparty.com slash contact. Select punch it from the drop-down menu. Fill out the form. It'll send us that message. We want to hear from you guys. And if you bring up some interesting points and some interesting arguments, we'll read them on the air. One thing you can do is you can reach out to us on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, you can find me personally on Twitter at the Insane Robin, and you can find me at Oh the Profanity. And we're also all, we're on Instagram. We're uh, we're all over the place. And what you should do we is are. check out our backlogged episodes by going to the slash punch it You can listen to all of our episodes. They're all amazing. Every single one is fantastic. And you can also listen to other shows on the network. We got other Star Trek shows. We got Star Wars shows. We got Doctor Who shows. Movie show movie shows. We got television. It's all over the place, and anything that makes you a geek, we have it on here. And uh, if you like what we're doing and you want to give us a review, go to iTunes, give us a review. If you give us a five-star review, we'll mention you on the show. And so next week, it could be another what if. It could be an episode on the fly. Uh, You'll have to tune in next week to find out, but no matter what it is, we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.